And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Uh, we have episode, what is it? Are we on 34, 35? I don't know. Those. I got to look at that. <laughs> it um, doesn't matter, man. We're losing track here. That's a good thing. Um, but uh, we've got our uh, good buddy, Andrew Tischler, here, and we're going to talk about Tom Campbell and theories of everything. What's up, brother? What's going on? Shut up, Alexa. Stupid fucking Alexa. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's get into this. So you, uh, you brought up Tom Campbell. I had actually never heard of him, and I'm all into this phys- you know, physics and double slit experiment and string theory and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I had never heard about him, and then you brought him up when we were talking about Rudolf Steiner last time. Um, and then you sent me a couple videos, and then I went down the rabbit hole and started watching a ton. Um, but why don't you talk about what you think the most important aspect of his theory is, and then we'll start, we'll, we'll build off that. All right. Um, so Tom Campbell's a pretty interesting figure because he's totally embedded within the sort of scientific and academic world. He's one of these people that's established himself with credentials and jobs and the degrees and all those things. So uh, that's nice, right? He's, he's um, yeah, very established in the world. That gives him some credibility. Um, but he's got this theory of everything, this book that he wrote. Um, so as far as the most important thing about it, uh, I think it comes down to two things. Um, the first thing is that it's a, it's, he's trying to express a new paradigm. Um, so we, so there's, you know, a discussion we could have about paradigms today. Um, and he wants to introduce a new one. Uh, so he's a really good, uh, you know, proponent for this new, Thing that's trying to take hold in the way of viewing science, the way of viewing reality. Um, so that new, he's a really good uh, source for information about this new paradigm that's happening. And then the second thing is just simply that the ultimate endpoint for this whole paradigm is love. Uh, it's a philosophy of love. I don't think it gets more important than those two things. Sure. And I mean, I think we all feel it kind of going on with all the podcasts and a lot of the shows you see on TV that you wouldn't have seen like 10 years ago. And uh, different documentaries and different things. Uh, there is something happening. Um, there's I, the way I look at it is there's two things happening. Everybody's gone crazy. And then right. the people that haven't gone crazy yeah. are kind of figuring things out, you know, so Lost my fucking mind. <laughs> and there's, there's some you know reason to think that that is exactly what would be happening. If you look at the situation that we're in. So it's, yeah, it's a good reflection of where we are. Right. Um, so, but w- what you were saying about this new wave now, I think I just wonder, like I, I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't heard of him. I think he's got like 38,000 followers on his YouTube page. So that's a lot of people, but it's not probably what it should be for having such yeah, a grand no idea. idea. You know, if Einstein had a page now, no, I'm not going to say he's the sure. same exact thing, but I mean, who knows? Millions um, and millions of people. So 38,000 is not very large. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I just, I was wondering like, why do you think people, a lot of people haven't heard of him? you know? Yeah. Um, so you sent me that interesting link, that Joe Rogan interview with the philosophy of science guy. Yeah. That guy was, is actually an MAMA trainer and he just happened to know a lot about Kant and philosophy mixed with science and all that right. kind of stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so one thing, probably the 
I, I, the interview was awesome, and they they did they did a good job. The content was really great. Um, the the thing that I disagree with him the most about was when he brought up Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, yeah. which I don't even want to say that second person's name. But anyway, people have different opinions, but um, it just seems to me that if it's easy to make the mistake that the popular scientists and philosophers that are sort of out there are also the the furthest reaching ones, I, I don't think that's actually the case. You know, the academic, you know, universities are filled with really people doing really important research that we've never heard of. Sure. Um, I think those two guys right now are just relevant because of the climate. You know, you've got two people too far on the right, two people uh, far on the left, and they're clashing. And these two guys are kind of feeding off of it. You have this whole subculture with that. And I think that that's just all political, even though they one, I think... Peterson's got a background in science. I, I don't know. I think Sam Harris does too in neuroscience. Uh, I just think that, you know, with him and determinism and all that bullshit, I don't necessarily agree with it either, but I think that it's just a product of like the culture or the society that's kind of gone well, crazy, you know? The way that I, uh, the way that I see it is that, um, again, there's, if you, th- if you think about universities, there's brilliant people that are the, are the lecturers, especially in the high end universities. Um, I'm here's my thing, right? A lot of them could have a YouTube channel and be on these talk shows and go to these live events, the Google things, the big, big stuff. It, they could all do those things. There's reasons why they don't. Um, people like Sam Harris, even like, you know, Bill Nye, uh, there's, there are a class of people Bill that... Bill Nye, tr- not, he's not even a scientist. He's an engineer. So, so Jordan Science Peterson... Science douche. <laughs> much more comparable to Bill Nye than to the people that we should be really investing our time in. Right, right. So you're you're saying the people that uh, actually are worthwhile don't have YouTube pages and the people that are all over the shit are kind of... uh, So the people in academia look at those popular scientists. The thing is, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, none of them have accomplished anything. (laughs) So so why are they the celebrities of our scientific culture? It's actually a misconception. It's it's not... not that it's not how it should be, but it's these are the pop, people people stepping out. It's called popularizing. So you can read the straightforward, you know, you can be in the journals, but how many people are in the journals reading those things, the live up-to-date, you know, it's very hard to do that. So then you have popularizers. Um, so to get back to the fundamental question about Tom Campbell is he's not a popularizer in that sense. He's um, he, he was doing those, you know, he's in, he, he's not even acad- an academic. He was in the field working, right? His right, entire- right. Yeah. Um, so the way that it developed for him was when he, uh, it got to the point where his, even his friends, his, you know, his peers were saying, hey, look, you know, you've got a lot going on. You could, you could share this information um, with us and with other people. So he, that's how the book started, was he would write out certain ideas that he thinks are unique to him. Um, and sending it around to certain people he knew. And then once it became a sort of, uh, they would respond, and this is how the way these things are built. And then once it became a, a sort of whole idea, he sent it to some of his, of these, uh, you know, these people we've never heard of, really important physicists in different universities and different positions. None of them read it, right, because they're so busy with their career. Um, so the, the, as, to put it in it really quickly, they didn't read it. So he, di- he actually did decide to step out and write this popularizing book of his theory. It's not a technical book, even though it's really long and hard to read. My uh, big toe, right? My big toe. So he did, he did, in fact, conclude that it was good to try to get out there and talk to sort of the, the layman and the people on the ground. Um, so it uh, hasn't been long since he's done that. And, uh, you know, there's, I have certain theories as to why, like, 
a couple of times I've seen it, you know, even in Joe Rogan comments, hey, get get this guy, Tom Campbell, on your show. This guy's great. You know, you see it pop up every once in a while. I don't know if he's not been invited or has chosen not to go or hasn't heard about him or what. I don't know the exact details as to. I yeah. was actually going to write that on there. I want to see this. I know. Right. Joe Rogan is good, whether you think whatever. He's good at asking questions and the right questions. I think that's why I like his podcast so much is he asks these people questions that like I would ask them if I was on that same show, you know? Yeah, no, he, I think he's one of the better platforms that exists just today. So it would be, yeah, it would be interesting to see what would happen. There may be a reason, you know, uh, I, I, maybe we can get into it later, maybe right now, but. Um, Do you think though, like you're saying that these people don't popularize it, but don't you think it's their job to educate humanity like i think you're right but in a certain point i think the people that are capitalizing there's a whole market that's untapped because these scientists aren't good at communicating they're not good at relaying ideas they're not yeah. you know they're that's not what they're good at so it's like you almost need a whole another mediary to get that stuff out or they have to start building that into their you know right. vernacular or something and so the sort of the history of this, you know, one big uh, bookmark in the history of trying to communicate science to the public is this Cosmos series. So Carl Sagan, you right. know, yeah. instance of now he's got some uh, he, he accomplished a couple of things in his career. You know, he, he did some pretty cool stuff, but he also chose to step out and produce with, you know, with Hollywood, these huge budget series is right. to contact and. Yeah. So, um, so there are conduits for that communication. And when, when you're on the ground doing the work, it's hard to have time also to do the popularizing, but you know, they, you know, Einstein there, so certain people, you know, at the end of their career, especially step out and they do this popularizing. Um, so, so the thing is though, we just had a Cosmos reboot and it was Neil deGrasse Tyson and he gave us materialism 2.0 and include any of some of them are good. There's one about Giordano Bruno. Yeah. Uh, that was a pretty good explanation, I thought, from what I know about it. Right. So but wait, the, the new one with Neil deGrasse, that's not the same as the Carl Sagan? or No, it's exactly the same. It's, it's old paradigm. And so if we're talking about a new paradigm, it's just simply that these new paradigm folks are still, you know, they're, 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 they're out there, but they don't have the budget that the old paradigm folks have. <laughs> and Neil was kind of like his protege, I think. He talks about it. Yeah. It's 2.0. It's, yeah, Carl Sagan 2.0, but it's materialism 2.0. It's that old worldview 2.0. It's, it's you know, the particle physics and the uh, standard model of physics and that ontology, that, that way of looking at the world. Um, so Tom Campbell is not presenting that view. It's a different paradigm. Um, and, you know, yeah, yeah. So let's so let's uh, let's get into this. Um, you know, like I said, I went down deep down in the rabbit hole. Why don't you kind of explain in basic terms what his theory kind of is and what it's about? Um, for so you know, because you know we can talk about this all day. There's so many nuances to it, but let's just get the basic facts out there, and we'll build off that. All right. Um, so you know. Ignoring the all of his work on the double slit experiment, you know, one one thing you can just say quickly is that he has an elegant solution to the double slit experiment. Um, it's a you know, it's a solution that he's offering that's unique to him. Um, it's not out there yet, and he's in the journals. He's got he actually just crowdfunded money to do actual hard science experiments in a lab that are going to explore and flesh out some of his theories about how to interpret the double slit and how, basically a, a theory of quantum mechanics. So he's doing all that. Wasn't he saying, too, that you could apply, it's not just on a quantum level, he believes that that would apply, like, if you were to do the same thing with a toaster oven, I think it said yeah. in the video. Yeah, that's what he was um, saying. I've also, I've heard that not just from Tom Campbell, so, the, yeah, the, 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 uh, 
the, the nature of reality and the whole probabilistic thing is, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, well, they were sending like a cluster of shit, not just one photon. They were sending like yeah, a... Yeah, what did he call that thing? A bu- buckyball or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah, a buckyball. That, that's yeah. actually a pretty good little side. I'm going to have to give this to you. So buckyball is named after a guy named Buckminster Fuller. <laughs> uh, he's Sounds a, like a dog show. You, you've, you know, Buckminster Fuller, he, he's... Um, He's a polymath scientist that he lived in the fifties. Uh, he was uh, a guy he was a super intelligent dude. He had this experience where he almost, he was basically about to kill himself. And he had this epiphany moment where my life is no good. If I kill myself, I'm going to dedicate myself to humanity. He's a really great figure. So he did that. He, he, anytime you've ever seen a geodesic dome, like in, I think Disneyland, he mm-hmm. invented, he invented that. Yeah. Like what, um, like Epcot, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So every geodesic dome you've ever heard of, it derives from this guy Buckminster Fuller's work. So he he um, he invented a the Dymaxion house, and he invented his own type of car. It was a three wheeled car. He's a fascinating figure, and it is almost conspiratorial that we've never heard of him. He had all of his ventures were sort of scuttled, um, and uh, you know. It, He's a really interesting guy. Anyway, so he also is um, the reason why it's called a Bucky Ball. It's a Buckminster Fuller Ball. It's actually put in the shape of it, that that shape. It's it takes the um, the yeah. It's a really precise soccer ball shape that he was you know super known for exploring. Um, so that's what it's called. So the, so they shot. That's the biggest thing they've ever shot through this, this experiment. So you're talking about a toaster. A Bucky Ball isn't a single photon. It's many 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 particles you know constructed together. So it's supposed to prove. It's almost a macro miracle is how he talks about it. There's a, it's a miracle almost on a macro level because, you know, quantum is, mechanics is weird. Well, this is almost not quantum anymore, but that's a, a little bit debatable. Um, but, yeah, so there's all of that. There's all of the really technical physics that he talks about, but there's the whole other slice of his theory. Um, the best thing to, to talk about is the virtual reality. So, it's, mm-hmm. so why, is he, why is he associating with this term virtual reality? There's a couple of people that are using it. Um, he talks about how 20 years ago when he first had the idea or 15 years ago, you know, no one thought it was a good idea. Now you hear it trickling in. Um, it, it basically is, is this idea that we are in a subset of reality. We're not in a base reality. And uh, we talked about the last episode about the Big Bang. It's one of those things like, well, where is the universe? It kind of gets right at the heart of these big questions about how the universe is functioning. So right. he's a reality theorist in the sense that he believes in different layers of reality and that we are in a sort of a subset of reality. Uh, probably the other biggest thing is that he's not a materialist. So he talks all the time about consciousness. Um, so consciousness is the prime of material. It's the thing that constitutes all of the experiences in the universe. It's the, it's the matter and so he has this unified theory of consciousness um, that's just drastically different. That's the new paradigm that I'm talking about. So it's, it's just flipping the side from materialism to consciousness. And he talks about, too, like, you know, he said, you know, in ways Buddhism had it right with the we are one because we are one consciousness. Like whatever, you know, if I do something, it has a ripple effect. And same thing with that, you know, then it affects somebody and that affects somebody and that affects, you know, almost like the butterfly effect, but on like a, you know, smaller scale. But, um, you know, he talks about, he equates all these great ideas. So it's not that this is just a fluxy, you know, woo woo kind of a thing because he's, he takes, you know, different religions and theories and he can apply them to this. Now, the one thing, um, I found interesting was the whole entropy aspect of it. And it's kind of like what you were saying, we were talking about fear right before this for a minute, how it's all funneling towards like love, like this, like pure 
love consciousness. Um, but, and then the other thing I wanted to say too is about the woo woo aspect of it is there's people like Sean Carroll admitted on the episode of Joe Rogan and he's considered one of the top, you know, if you want to call him like a reductionist, uh, materialistic physicist, but he even acknowledges, he says it on the show. He's like, we could, yeah, we, some of the best minds in the world think that we could be in a simulation right now. And that doesn't mean your computer. I don't think, I think that there's something that we're not understanding, but I think when you get to the base of it, you know, that kind of makes sense. Right. All right. So I'll try and tackle all of that. It's, um, uh, so let's see. I'll try to just pick one subject. Uh, the idea consciousness as the computer is something he's always talking about. So, um, right. Love entropy. Okay. Okay. So he, uh, in his, my big toe, he lays out basically he talks about with a scientific theory, you're going to start with assumptions. He, you know, he names Einstein and everyone. So it's, it's not, it's not epistemology. It's not that first science. So you build in, you know, the structure of the science you're doing is, is presupposed in a certain sense. So, so any theory is going to presuppose assumptions. It's sort of just a, 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 a nature of science. So his presupposed assumptions are consciousness um, and evolution. So let me just get into that real quickly. You know, with consciousness, we, we are all conscious. So it's okay to make that assumption in the sense that we, it's evident to us. So consciousness is a thing that exists in the universe. So if you, if you allow for that assumption and then you apply this idea of evolution, um, so the way he describes it is that the early universe, not our universe, but the early universe itself, consciousness, uh, however it came to be, um, once it did find itself existing, it wanted to lower its entropy. It wanted to add information to itself. It wanted to grow and to become more complex. And so it just you know, you could imagine the way that they imagined string theory universes and all these elaborate, you could elaborate, imagine different spaces of consciousness that developed that didn't get on board with lowering their entropy and they just poofed out. They came into existence and they poofed out. But our universe is derived from the type of this consciousness thing that decided it wanted to be more complex. And so that complexity is derived by evolution is his theory. Um, and so through that, Basically, all of the archetypes for our universe are derived in this long chain of being. <laughs> I don't know if right. this makes sense, but it's it's kind of just um, you know where are all the laws of the universe coming from? Where did you know the laws of the atoms and these physics and all of this stuff? Well, all of this was derived in other parts of this consciousness. Um, so it's, at some point, it invented the idea of like a physical universe, um, different realities. It, it invented beings, the idea of being itself, right? So it's this long chain of uh, I don't know, but yeah, um, all, all towards evolu- uh, ent- lowered entropy, which is love. <laughs> In the definition of entropy, if anybody listening, it's um, it's the uh, measure of randomness. So, you know, it's quantifying. You know, like you were saying, the Big Bang. It that was that point. It was full randomness, and then everything kind of slowly cooled, got into place. You got orbits. You got planets. You got stars. Um, you know, different uh, systems start to occur. Um, so it's like, you're right. Like we're heading towards something, some bigger thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Complexity. Um, so a really good way to wrap your head around all of this is to start thinking about computer simulations. So we've talked about VR and so Tom Campbell's trying to, trying to introduce a new way, a completely fundamentally radically new way of looking at the world based on consciousness instead of materialism. Um, so one of the best ways to get your head around this metaphor is, like I said, the thing about simulations. So I've been 
you know, phrasing it this way, like let's take someone like Aristotle or Newton, right? And let's place them in a thought experiment in a computer, in a simulation, okay? So you've got this figure like Isaac Newton, this great scientist, in, they're in a simulation. Let's say that the simulation is completely accurate to the way that our universe works, right? So right. it's this really great detailed simulation with all of the features of our universe. The physics are right. If, you, if he gets a, you know, a good microscope out, he can start to find particles, right? Keeping in mind that he's in a simulation. The thing about simulations is that there's two aspects to a, a virtual reality in a computer. There's, there's all those, the, the GUI, the graphic user interface, and all of that stuff for the user. But the reality of all that stuff is, is what? It's the code, right? So yeah. this, is, this, is the, this is the metaphor. If you're going to do science in the simulation on stuff you're seeing in the simulation that it's giving you through that GUI, if you're restricting yourself to that, you're never going to get to the thing that's actually the causal factor in all of the stuff you're seeing, which is the code, okay? So for Tom Campbell, his thing can be summarized as a philosophy of information. Um, instead of something like even consciousness or matter, we can just say information exists. Um, and that information is the thing that drives everything that we see. So, so it's kind of like the code. Um, so the, the new paradigm is trying to is trying to take this metaphor in for reality. It's not that we live in a physical reality with particles and the, the, the things that, that in the world are what's real. There's another layer of reality that's removed from that physically that's something comparable to code. I don't know if that's kind of translating. How, how do you guys feel about it? No, that? no. I, I, what, is, what are his views about like God and stuff then? Well, um, he is so interesting to like listen. Who's creating the fucking thing that you're okay. saying? Well, okay. So that's why I was going to ask you too. That in, in a lot of the, the texts, ancient texts, it's you can't. We can't know God's name, or we can't say God's name. Maybe God's name is a computer code, and that's why you can't. You know, well, like that's right. Right. Um, you know, even Steiner talks about the difference between a word and the concept that, that word stands for. Um, every language has its own word for a certain concept. So the concept is the universality behind the thing. Um, and God is going to end up being, a, you know, a specific elements of this consciousness information system highlighted and saying, oh, this is the thing I, I, that I think, you know, it's, it's just it's a, it's a part of the causal chain of being in the end, um, which isn't that hard from you know, for physics, right, they say it would be something like the Big Bang was God, right? Well, so we were just saying it's, it's the thing that's furthest behind in the causal chain. Um, uh, but anyway, so the, the big, the question, the answer to that question is that the difference between other simulations that, you know, in this reality and our, the simulation of reality is that it's a self-changing reality and it's a self-evolving reality. So it, it's the thing itself that's doing the creating and evolving. It's not a who made the universe it's, it, or who made the simulation. We are essentially, you know, like a cell in that simulation. So we are doing a, a small bit of the creating just like there isn't necessarily something outside of it. The consciousness is the thing doing the creating, um, and we are a small bit of that. I don't know if so I could. This, so does this coincide with anything that Steiner says, where like you, as you pass, you know, pass on or whatever, you can elevate your your being to like a different. You know, I would have to say that there's two aspects with Tom Campbell when I compare them with him and Steiner. Um, one is that Tom Campbell very specifically chose not to educate himself early on in the esoteric literature. He wanted to be a scientist of his time and a very empirical person. So for all of his years of doing 
astral body projection scientific research. He would have firsthand experiences and conversations, I'm assuming, however you imagine those things to go. Um, but he didn't read the literature. So he developed his big toe is truly his own big toe. Um, now, that annoys me because I would, I would wish he would talk about the people in history and compare his views to theirs. He, he doesn't seem to do that very often. I haven't found it. Um, so, so you're left to sort of interpret. I was going to say, because part of this kind of, I've, I dug deep into Gnosticism, um, this, this idea that we were, we were all once one and we frack, we split and split into a bunch of fract. Like we all have a piece of God within us and God's living through each one of us, but we're trapped in these bodies kind of. And that's kind of what Tom Campbell says when he's explaining, like there's limits, like we're in the simulation. You can't jump 20 feet in the air, you know, like when we create a video game, we, we maybe do that because that's something that we can't do. So we're living it out through that. But in this yeah. reality, you know, that we have limitations. Well, so his limitations, I would agree with Signer's laws of karma. Um, now you have sort of laws of physics that hold your reality together. You know, so Tom actually talks about this isn't the only reality, right? So we, we are just a one reality of many, many, many realities. So to, to get to other kind of answers to the question that there's a God out there somewhere, but there's also like, I heard it slip today, or also too, listening to the Bruce Lipton, Tom Campbell video. I don't know if you got a chance to get that one. It's pretty I good. I didn't see that one yet. I'll, I'll add it to my playlist. He slips up in a way I haven't heard many, many times, but he says that we happen to be in an experiential reality, and you could uh, you know, oppose that to other kinds of realities. And Steiner does that all the time where he says, well, if you're a being of this type, you know, your, your perception is radically different than, than how humans perceive something. He says, like, instead of an object coming from outside and approaching you, objects approach you from the inside. Like, inside of you, you'll see an object. So there's other ways you can perceive processes in the universe besides the way that we do it. And that's how I imagine, you know, um, just different function of, of some kind of code, beings that, you know, are responsible for different things anyway. So there's different types of realities. There's different types of beings that exist in those kinds of realities. And you can find yourself with those, you know, in those realities as well. But typically, you know, it, with for him, he's going to visit visit these more experiential realities. He talks about, like, funhouse realities where the laws of physics aren't consistent. And you can imagine, you know, if I put a glass down now, the next time I do it, it's going to float up into the air, right? If you live in this completely inconsistent reality where science is much harder or if it just truly is random, he just talks about how for consciousness, that's a really uncomfortable place to be. Uh, it doesn't necessarily provide a good space to learn and grow because there's no consistency there. Right. So the kinds of realities aren't populated. He usually actually uses this terminology, but we happen to, you know, be in a, a reality that's pretty, it's one of the more, you know, sticky and um, what would you call it? Just, uh, it doesn't change. It's not random. It's a very, it's sort of a very learning lab reality. He actually talks about it this way. So we are all in a ter certain type of reality, um, for a reason, uh, you know, the universe has, as they say, works in mysterious ways, and this is part of its evolution, is our experience of evolution in this reality. Kind of jumping all over the place, but... No, I mean, it makes sense, and it's weird because, like, that, if you believe in this, you can literally apply, like, everything to it, and it kind of makes sense, you know, like, even ancient civilizations and what they thought, oh, okay, this, you know, you know... right. It's it's just it's it's I I like it I don't know. This guy's yeah. getting hard over there. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting. It's because again, I mean, I've been saying it to some close friends. It's like I almost feel like I live in a sort of different universe than a lot of the people I know, just because they're 
you know, working in materialize and they're in that where they say, Oh, you know, life's just your brain and particles, man, or these, you know, just these sort of, you know, ways that we justify certain experiences we have in in that paradigm. And it's just like, I live in in a universe that's based on love and consciousness and growing and these different, you know, there's a, so that's the thing that Tom Campbell, it's just that it's an introduction to, so one of the things I wanted to say is with this idea of consciousness replacing matter, it's, it's really saying that you are a lot like the universe and the universe is a lot like you. Again, we are like a cell in an organism. I mean, Mm -hmm. Steiner and Campbell both say that, right? So we perform a very specific function in a larger whole. And that's just uh, something you don't get with materialism because they don't know how to build past the material. They get to consciousness and they get stumped and they don't have anything to do with consciousness. They don't have anything to say about it. They don't know why it's there. It's an accident, right? It's just, it's a very hollow theory. Um, so this new paradigm is just, that's, so when you say it's about love, well, what the heck does that mean? Well, the old paradigm has no place for love. It's a, you know, if you're a postmodernist, which I don't know how familiar, but you, you know, you basically. No, read, yeah, I don't like any of that. I tried yeah, to. Yeah, what's up, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah. <laughs> That's not postmodernism. Okay, and um, it reminds me too, like, I don't know if both of you listen to it, but that I, I bet you listened to the interview with that guy, the MMA fighter, that was talking about the woo woo of science. Right. He couldn't really nail it down in the interview, but, and he was, he was doing okay. In a sense, I'm actually totally opposed to what he was talking about, but in the sense, another sense is exactly what I'm saying. Um, he was a philosophy of science guy. So he's well-versed in the literature that shows the, the shortcomings of how science works. Um, but the thing is, is, he just thinks that that's the way that things are. So he's one of these cop followers that just critical about something will never know reality. So he wants to go on the show and say it's all woo-woo because there is no such thing as a true paradigm where, I mean, for me, all I'm saying is what's woo woo in one paradigm is, is fact in another. So the thing is paradigms can't intermix. And, and that's really the point is that if you are standing in this new paradigm, everything in the old paradigm is woo woo. And I want to tell you exactly why. Um, it's a question of ontology. So we talked last time about epistemology. Let's talk about ontology today. Um, so that's the study of- yeah, what the <laughs> fuck's going on here. <laughs> I'm sorry. So to slow down. So ontology no, no, is... It's all good. It's all good. I, I'm all, yeah. Explain it for Maurice here. He needs to... <laughs> I know. Um, ontology is the question, what exists in the universe? It's, it's, this idea, it's the word to be. What's, what's the material? What's there, right? So epistemology is what can we know. Ontology is what's there to know about. What, what's in the universe? Um, so I've been realizing that for materialism, they have this short list of ontological actors or these things that actually exist in the universe. There, there are things like time, space, particles, and like forces, right? And with that set of ontological things, they construct the universe, okay? Well, that's not the thing, that's not the list that this new paradigm has. And so if you're standing in the new paradigm where consciousness is the thing and this sort of new idea of this code, which you could, you know, you could do relationships with like Platonism or idealism, but this, this conceptual schema versus a physical schema, if you realize that the code is what's real. So let's go back to that other metaphor. If you're a scientist that's doing science on the simulation, never realizing that you're in a simulation, you'll never think about the code, which is a science of its own. You'll never think about how that reality is actually constructed. You're, you're stuck in the illusion that Buddhism talks about, the illusion of reality. So you're doing science on the simulation, but not the codes. You're not a code writer. Well, 
spiritualists, this new paradigm is people that look at the code directly. It's having super sensible, which means not sensible, but conceptual interactions with reality. So Steiner, it's actually kind of boring. When he talks about super sensible um, phenomena, he's just talking about concepts. He's talking about your mind, the things that you think about. When you experience a thought, that's a super sensible entity. Um, so to summarize all that, thinking and the concepts that, that, that are the thing that, um, that thinking is, you know, the concepts are the, are the code and the physicists are stuck in the simulation science. They're doing science on the simulation, not the code. Does that, does that follow? Yeah. They're all just reductionists. Like they're not thinking beyond the scope of right. what's actually happening in like a bigger picture format. So for me, I'm going to say, oh, okay, so let's, let's do this, right? You've got Isaac Newton in a simulation, okay? Let's say he builds a machine or, you know, Da Vinci builds one of his machines. He's going to tell you that this cog turns on that cog and forces push each other and the, the natural laws work and that's what drives the machine, right? Well, now let's talk about the simulation. You know, we know that that's a simulation of a machine. So there aren't cogs, right? There's just like zeros and ones that define that cog. And the relationship that that code has tells the cogs how to work. So when you hear these new paradigm people saying, look, it's, he was trying to say like, look, gravity's not a real thing, right? Because they don't know what the force is. So Newton had this force, but then Einstein had this like blanket that you put a ball in and that's why it goes in. So pushing or pulling, none of that is right, right? What's right is the code. You know, you can look at this simulation in many, many ways, and that's what he's talking about. You can be this relativist and interpret it. Well, the cog, this cog pushes that cog, or no, it's the you know, that's not the point. The point is we're talk- splitting out hairs on something that doesn't matter at this point it because matter exactly. Right. And it's good science. It's good to know how the the physical part of the human being works. You know that all of that applies. That's it's why it's observational, though. It's not really taking well, you to the next level. You know. Yeah, exactly. It can only work in certain features. But if you try to talk about the mind with a physicalist interpretation, you're, you're dead in the water. Um, so so it's, it, that's where the sort of problem comes in is when you start to apply things that should be solved in philosophy, you, you answer them with science and you get the wrong answer because you're applying it to a, a part of the questions that you, you know, shouldn't. Yeah. How's that? How's that? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But hasn't science kind of lost the battle recently because they came out with you know, string theory and M theory and all this super string theory. And you need like 26 dimensions in one, 11 dim- dimensions in the other. We only have length, width, height. And if you want to be generous time, that's four. Right. Where are these other seven at least dimensions? No, exactly. you know? These are, these are and from the new paradigm, this looks like symptoms of a dying paradigm. You have this, this fracturing based on contradictions, very, you know, well-known contradictions and trying to explain them with the old science that you get this fracturing. It's exactly, and it's been happening for literally, as he points out, a hundred years. Um, with, yeah, because he said Newton was, uh, you know, I think he talks a lot about it, how his materialistic, like, you know, the Newton philosophy of it was that everything exists, whether you're there or not. Right. And he's saying the kind of the opposite thing. Exactly. You know, and that's a really great point. I mean, it's a return to... I just remember one time reading how Steiner talks about how the scholastics sort of, which were the people doing science before the enlightenment. I think I'm getting that right. Um, they were, they were like highly steeped in Christianity. So it was a very specific type of science. They, and it was almost like a, 
neoplatonic kind of thing where they believe they're working with anyway they had certain things exactly right and certain things exactly wrong <laughs> um, but some of the things they had right were this idea that everything that exists needs to be supported by a mind consciousness supports the reality it's, it's not that the matter builds up a mind later there's no no one can show you it's just simple that no one can show you matter outside of mind because we're all minds. Uh, so this idea... It's like we're living in this cloud. Nobody knows what the fucking cloud is. We're living in the cloud. That's kind of what... Yeah, exactly. I mean, we are in consciousness. There's no, there's nothing outside of consciousness. The guy talks about it in the Joe Rogan interview. It's, uh, I think they call it, he called it the egocentric problem of philosophy is that anything that exists is always going to happen in someone's mind. So that they see that as like, oh, that's a huge shortcoming because we can't know the thing outside of it. There's nothing outside of it, right? That's, that's the new paradigm is there isn't something, it's not matter building your mind. It's the mind building matter, everything. So there's a great yeah, mind. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's actually really fun too. I, I think I brought it up last time, but like if someone tells you, oh, you know, there's elemental spirits in all the plants and there's spirits and crystals, I, what they're trying to express is this old philosophy that everything that works like a law is, is held in a mind. So a law of nature is in some being's mind and they're projecting that into our universe and making that that's where it's coming from some other mind. So Steiner talks about these angelic hierarchies and that's, he, he literally can list and go on and on about what each of them do. There's the thrones and the spirits of yeah, will. That's the stuff that I was talking about earlier. I, I was having a hard time articulating it. It's absolutely. So he's, he's laying the groundwork for this new paradigm. He was doing it a hundred years ago. Well, they've been doing it for a long time. So the thing about paradigms is that they, one, it's not just one kills another. There's multiple ones happening all the time. One takes a dominant role, although it takes subsidiary roles. But when one dies the way that the old one is doing now and splintering, there is another one often ready to take that space up, which is this new paradigm that Tom Campbell is representing, along with other people. Um, but I believe Rudolf Steiner as well. Is, it, it, I think you can overlap them pretty easily. Cool. Well, let's take a little branch off here. Let's apply now. Let's talk about psychedelics in relation to uh, this theory. Um, people that do DMT say they see these things called machine elves, and it's a kind of it's a constant thing. I mean, you go on the internet, you watch these videos. It's not like one dude saying it or two dudes saying it. It's a lot of people saying it. I've never done it personally myself, so I can't speak to it. Uh, but I know people that have, and they talk about how these things like what their job is, is to combine two ideas together to create a new path. Now, I don't, do you think that when you do psychedelics that maybe it's not frying this simulation or system, but maybe gives you insight outside of it. So like, you know, how Tom Campbell talks about when you're sleeping, you're in a whole different reality and that reality is living it itself out in the way that it's living. You know, it's a whole different thing. Could that then be like peeking out of that same thing in a different manner? And if so, are these, paranormal things or these things that people see or, you know, like whether it be UFO or sleep paralysis or DMT release or whatever, could that be kind of like, you know, you go on the internet and you type the wrong thing and it pulls up an error page and you can't go any further than that because there's nowhere to go from there. Kind You know? Right. Um, let's see. Um, it's a, uh, it's, I, I will say that it's definitely dawned on me recently that, if you're trying to approach what the, is happening on psychedelics with a neuroscientific approach, you're doing that thing where the simulation is in the forefront and the actual reality, you know, the stuff that's, this, you know, the conceptual schema, you're sort of ignoring that. Um, 
So I think the idea of taking a, a new paradigm approach to explaining what's going on in psychedelics is perfectly exciting and fit. I think it's a really yeah, good. Yeah, that's idea. pretty sweet. Um, so what you have now is he, you know, Steiner's going to talk about different bodies. Um, I, I, I hate to do this, but I need to plug my laptop in, so I need to disappear for like three seconds. That's, that's cool, fine. bro. Do your right thing. Back. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to say is uh, dreams. Does that fucking take you out of this? Yeah, so what he said from what I understood was on these videos that when you're dreaming, just like how when you're awake, you're living out this reality and there's it's all probability-based, meaning that I think you used an example like if you're a baby, you almost have infinite possibilities because you can go anywhere from there, kind of. I mean, you know, there's different restrictions, different yeah. things, but... Um, if you're in jail, I mean, how many options do you have? You don't really have many options. So, you know, most people, if you're living your day to day, you have like 20 options usually like, Oh, I'm going to go out to lunch. Where should I go? There's like 20 places you can go or how I'm going to get, get to this location. There's different ways you can take. So, you know, I think what he's saying about dreaming is, is that when you dream, what you're doing when you're awake is one version of that. And when you're sleeping, it's almost like you're getting two things done. So you're always doing something to progress towards this, entropy funnel that's going towards this grand goal if that makes sense absolutely yeah it's super cool um i i i i don't have any solid you know i don't have quite as strong opinions about this as some of the other work um but i'm so i want to get there um you know the idea that you sometimes remember your dreams but sometimes don't kind of makes me think that there is always a process going on there and that you're almost delving in and out of it so you know and that that's pretty fascinating to me um bringing it to your consciousness and not um so it's almost like you're saying parallel processing i don't i don't know i'm not exactly sure um and then with psychedelics it's so like the question is you know, you're not seeing anything differently. You can sit and you, you close your eyes. You don't see anything. And yet you're seeing these different entities. You're getting this information. So what's the, where, where would those, what's the stimulus for these things? You know, with something in front of your eyes, we were more comfortable with the idea of, of it presenting it to yourself. Um, but it's like, so I was going to bring up with the different bodies again. So if you're, if you're, if you're having a hallucination, it's, it's clearly not coming from the external, you know, it's not coming from your eyes in that traditional sense yet. It's making use of like your dream is doing, it's making use of these visualizations. I think that's pretty great. So that shows you that you can see things that aren't physically in front of you. Right. Mm -hmm. When you dream, you're doing that. So your mind already has the potential to access realities that aren't local as they say. So your mind has a non-local aspect now, if you're introducing a new chemistry, which for me, again, is not the important thing. If you're introducing whatever code and stuff, whatever concepts come along with the chemistry that you're introducing into your body. Um, oh, it's so hard to say. Uh, and I, I will say, you know, I remember I've listened to Terrence McKenna all the time uh, for a while. And I think he's the instigator of the machine elves uh, myth, not, not in the negative sense, but it, that archetype. Right. Um, I don't know if that's significant or not. Maybe he set a mold that they said, well, you know, if a person has heard of Terrence McKenna and they do DMT and I present myself as the thing that they are expecting, I'm going to get more done than if I am completely new. I don't know. You know, so as far as the form it's taking, oh, it's just so hard to say. Um, that kind of plays on something I've been toying with. We've done recent episodes where I talk about this. Maybe all these things are the same thing, ghosts 
aliens, DMT elves. Maybe they're all just putting on different masks, like you're saying. It's something that's popping in to kind of like see what's going on or govern, you know, like. Or they all look the same and everybody just perceives them differently. That could be it, too. Um, well, and again, yeah. Um, so Tom Campbell, just in a general sense, will always emphasize that even removed from you know the choice to do psychedelic drugs, people that have these um, accidental paranormal experiences, he's always going to emphasize that there is a very specific reason that it takes on the form that it does, um, even to the point when you have like sort of negative. Uh, you know, experiences, even in that sense, it takes on a specific form. He always emphasizes that it's relevant to your growth. He's going to say that, and that that reminds me of karma. Um, It's just that with with Steiner is that the specific situation and, you know, again, so let's just make it simple. Life is basically you're setting, you're receiving an information stream. Um, And so that whatever is the content of that information stream, what be it a hallucination, be it a physical thing in front of you um, is relevant to your growth. Uh, So in that sense, it's not important to to distinguish where the source is more than the content of the, of the experience. And to ground the thing, you know, with the DMT experience, I don't, I haven't read too many of the known, the, uh, yeah, the machine out of accounts, but I, is it the case that there's still like a really overwhelming sense of love and connection or is it? Well, I've heard, I've heard different things. I think Joe Rogan talks about sometimes he says, sometimes they flip them off or something, or sometimes they'll say you're not supposed to be here. Um, things like that. But then there's, I've seen videos where people talk about how their purpose is to weave together. If there's two paths, their job is to combine two things that they know will go down a path to some sort of production. So like, you know, let's say I'm a musician and I'm a good musician. Maybe they'll help me connect with somebody else that'll help me further my agenda, you know. And that's the thing, to, to build love into the world. So that 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 form of it really makes sense to me. Again, the universe isn't a blind accident. It's a conspiration. It's an experiment. Um, and there's a lot of players. There's politics. You know, this is sort of aspects of the new paradigm view is it without being too fantastical or too just sort of speculative, you know, there's still, you can get hints of this idea of that there's a lot of, um, you know, Terrence, Terrence, we kind of go on and on about the importance of what, who would he call it? The cosmic giggle or, um, the, well, he talks about the big bang. He's like, for scientists, he's like, you know, they talk about all this other stuff being woo woo, but it's like, give them one miracle, the big bang, and they run with it and act like, you know, everything, you know, exactly. But, but he, you know, but the idea of, um, the, Oh gosh, sorry. Um, it's more than a coincidence. That thing that's stronger than coincidence. Um, synchronicity. You know, he, he, have you ever gotten into his whole that? What, what did he call it? The uh, time wave. I can tell you some weird shit about synchronicity. I more times than not, I've had like a groundbreaking thought, like what I would consider an epiphany, and I will look at the clock and it will say eleven eleven. More times than right. not, when I'm thinking those things, right. Um, so, so to me, you know, the universe is constantly conspiring. So if you make the choice to do drugs, you know, to do some sort of psychedelic, um, in a sense, you know, it's, it's smart to place your faith in the drug that it will take you in a, you know, to a place that's helpful and growthful. I think that's sort of how a lot of the research has come about, um, even in the more technical applications that, you know, different universities are doing. They're being very careful to have a guided experience that's very helpful and growthful, and it seems like pretty fruitful to me. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's uh, so yeah. That distinction about the source of the experience versus the content of the experience, and which one's more important to really hunker down on. 
Have you watched that video? He does have, uh, Tom Campbell does have a video where he talks about what he thinks UFOs are. I just didn't watch it. It's on my to watch list. He will always say with a paranormal experience, it's kind of what I said earlier. It's um, the picture I get when I hear him talk about it is you have a person that is stuck in their way of thinking in a very particular way that's blocking them from making the, 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 the one type of progress that they should be making, right? So this is a very specific character that is going to experience the paranormal. It's a person who has a very rigid way of approaching some aspect of their life that if that thing were to be changed, if some external thing was going to come and change it, it would be very beneficial. So if you go out day after day and sit in a field in Kansas, you know, it, Sorry, but you might not be the person that needs to have that experience. You might be, you might not be, but the person that's going to have the experience for Tom is always going to be a person who it's going to tweak them in a way that's beneficial to the system. That's literally how he describes paranormal behavior. So he's acknowledging, he's saying that that shit actually happens or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's yes. You can definitely get that out of him. Um, he's, he won't, he won't, you know, you can find specifics and stuff like that, but he, he seems to stick to that rule that the Buddha laid down, which is that if you have, if you're a teacher or some sort of mentor and your, your job is to pick out, Stein talks about the same thing. You never, ever answer a question that isn't asked and that won't benefit the student by answering it. So there was plenty of times when the Buddha, Oh, tell me about one of your experiences in the astral plane. Well, he's not going to tell you that because there's no clear path as to why that explanation would benefit you. Actually, it may lead to a further confusion. Um, so Tom, Tom seems to, to be very strict to that thing as Steiner was, is you, he's going to wait until the exact question is asked and if he's going to measure, if it's going to be beneficial to answer it. So he doesn't, unfortunately doesn't go into many details about his experiences as a rule. Um, but when he talks about the paranormal, he's saying that the best, paradigm is to take in it again we think about a simulation you know not to, to be too flippant about the metaphor because tom talks about it's really important that the simulation is not interrupted it, it, it evolution is not to be toyed with so it's not that you can just cheat code our reality you, you get busted for doing that really quickly if you get sort of any way of doing that um so it's a it's a really important that it unfolds in the way that it should um but it's not buttoned down in the way that. So, so would stem cell research and that kind of stuff kind of be fucking with the code, or I don't think it will. I think what's going on in our country, kind of right now, just like the polars. I think that's kind of a negative yeah. for me. I think this is what needs to happen, and there's like hardly any of this. And right. when I do find this, I gravitate towards it because I don't even give a fuck. The other shit affects my life on such a minuscule, I know whatever, you can say what you want, but it does from day to day. That shit doesn't even people feed into it. You watch TV all day long and you start to panic. Tom Campbell talks about that too. Like fear just thrives off more fear. And if you keep creating more and more fear, it's, you've got, you've got this, you know, big ball of, uh, fear. <laughs> yeah. Fear. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, I, I, like I said, I think that this stuff is, is, really important to talk about this stuff and for other people to kind of get into this stuff because this is the, the the future this is the new wave and whether this leads to something else that is correct or more correct or you know maybe this is a stepping stone maybe this is it but um you know if we keep pushing stupid shit on tv and how big kim kardashian's ass is over how we actually work as a, a functioning being Pop then yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, Tom Campbell is really good for that advice. Uh, he's definitely constantly emphasizing, you know, it's important to be, you know, what, what, 
you know, on the day that you have to go vote, do that. But on every other day, obsessing about those topics is not helpful to you at all. You can right. only do so much in your life. And, and the solution to the world is, you know, he, he, I, I guess we can talk about that just quickly. He has that uh, metaphor about the island with a thousand entities on it. If those entities, so, you know, your actions, he has this simplification where your actions are either stemming from fear or love. Um, and perhaps there are, are middle grounds, but if your action stems from fear and there's a thousand of you, you're, it's not going to go that well. You're going to fight for resources. You're going to backstab each other. And he talks about, you're going to get local centers of power based around those resources. But if you have a thousand beings of love, he just simply uses love. Another word for love is not perfection, but optimization. So the optimization of your environment, that's what loving that's information systems, you know, the lowering of entropy is the optimization of what's present. Um, so it's not perfection, but it's optimization. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's the goal is to optimize. What is that saying? It's like great people follow or great people follow ideas. Good people, you know, talk about events and not so great people follow people, you know? Exactly. No, that's well. And so that hints at, that's a hint at the paradigm. What's, I, yeah, I really want to get across this this idea of the metaphor of the computer code being something equatable, but not exactly like the platonic ideal. Steiner talks about this great idea about how your mind is an organ of perception for the conceptual side of the objects of reality. So you have eyes for the colors and the tones. You have ears for the sounds. You have you know a, a mouth, you know, tongue for the taste. We have a mind for the concepts. And when you summarize, that's the entire ontological list. So for that list of ontology, you don't have space, time, forces, and particles. You have um, concepts, and then you have these archetypal sensory phenomena, things like color and sound. But the concepts are the thing, that's the code. That's, there's this multi, there's a zoology of concepts that the universe is made out of, whether it's something simple like cause and effect or something complex. You know, he talks about... The difference between an idea and a concept is just um, basically like density. An idea is a much more dense, built-up concept. It's multiple, multiple concepts. Um, and it doesn't bother me at all when I think about, you know, a specific set of code would be like a concept, right? Like this, when, I, when this happens, you know, whatever it does in the simulation, that's the thing driving the simulation. If I, you know, if, if in, a, in, a, in a simulation I hit a red button, the pressing of the button is not doing anything, even though it happens. There's right. a core and the causal factor is the conceptual schema that your mind gives you. Um, anyway, so it's, uh, yeah, um, that, that's, I don't know. So the universe is made of concepts and of sensory phenomena, not particles. It's, that's the new paradigm. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. What I like about it um, is the fact that, okay, so kind of what you were, what we, you know, hit on a couple times, but just this aspect that of like many things can apply to it and people might not like it because people don't want to think they're in a computer or somebody's controlling them or I don't know how you would get that based on what he said, but people will jump to that conclusion when they hear simulation or whatever. I think what he, he makes a clear distinction that we're not a computer that we, this is some weird form of that, if you will, like we only know computers as computers because we've created them, you know, but yep. think of something else higher than us. Maybe they can create biological matter that works as a computer, you know? Right. Um, so this is when I let Steiner step in and say that the, the, the actors that are creating our universe are these 
you know, angelic hierarchies, right? So it's not, it's, it's not that simple metaphor of some guy in his basement that built, you know, like the Rick and Morty kind of thing where he's in a battery, right? <laughs> um, right. L- luckily, that's not the information that we're getting. Um, we're, we're getting this idea that it's a very, again, so another thing that Tom Campbell talks about is um, uh, it's the thing in nature where it's, it's always taking the shortest course possible for everything. It's the conservation of energy. The conservation is important. Just like in computing, it wouldn't make any sense. You know, the fastest way, the, the, sleek, the slickest code you can write is always preferable. Um, the universe follows the same laws. So there, this isn't a happenstance, you know, fun joke reality. That, that's not the paradigm, right? It's, um, it's, it's a function of the Godhead. Consciousness is the computer. And uh, yeah, uh, you're, you're safe in this karmic environment where you're meant to grow in love. <laughs> Just again... <laughs> A completely different worldview than he talks about the brain too. So like kind of what I was talking about the cloud, like where are your thoughts? You can have recall any second for like an infinite. If you have a good memory, you can recall. I mean, I have a good memory. I can recall a lot of shit at a, mo- at a moment's notice, you know, like we do this show. Um, this is all improv, you know, like we never right. script shit or anything. This conversation we're having is based off me watching like four videos of this guy. Right. right. No, so, exactly. Um, everything that's significant is non-physical, you know? Um, yeah, it's just, it's just the case. It's just a whole new way of looking at the world. He says like, look at the Sims, you know, if you were to cut the guy's head open, yeah, you would see a brain, but only if you did that, you know, or Schrodinger's cat, or, you know, you want to talk about any of that kind of stuff. Exactly. So really hungering down on that metaphor is just so interesting. Again, you realize just like the Buddha said, the world is an illusion. Now it's not, there's a correlation to reality in the world of our senses, right? So it's not a dumb illusion or a blind illusion or a tricky illusion, but it is in a sense an illusion then in the sense that it's not the, the base reality. Um, and just getting your head around that idea that the brain is not what's making consciousness. It's not the producer of consciousness. Um, but like in a simulation, if you tweak the brain, there's rules to that simulation. Um, so it's a very, again, he's a really good source, probably in my, the best source I've found for an explanation of a better way to think about what's coming in science. Um, yeah, that, that's to me a big message. I mean, another one that we've talked about on the show is biocentrism, which is actually pretty similar in that book. Dr. Robert Lanza talks about the double slit experiment, uh, all that, you know, like, they, you know, they do experiments with um, somebody that's, uh, you know, uh, you know, blind, you know, how they can still know that there's something there without, you know, if, if they were walking and there's a beam, they would know they could feel the presence of a beam and they would duck, you know, they did, they've done these experiments and stuff, but his biocentrism is more based on, we are biological matter creating the universe. So like how Tom Campbell talks about how, like, if you see something, it's now built into the database, you know, if you see a new planet or you're in the woods and you see a tree about to fall, I think he talks about uh, like that kind of stuff. Like it exists because you've now built it into the reality. So what biocentrism is, is that there's no, it's, it's not a simulation. It's more that we are biological matter that creates, you know, everything around us and there is no death. It's just constant cycle. And I think Tom Campbell talks about that too, where it's, you know, the, um, what does he talk about? Like a refrigerator, uh, cycle, like how, you know, the, the, um, how, the, how refrigerator cools at first heats up and then goes through a cycle and cools down and then it constantly keeps going through that cycle. Um, so I, I, there was a lot of correlation to those two things. And I think, I don't know when, uh, Tom Campbell came out with his 
my big toe, but I know, I think biocentrism is from like 2007. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. That's the thing is you're, it's sprouting up everywhere for sure. Um, I love that. Again, if, if you, if you take seriously the metaphor of a, of a simulation, you realize, and Tom Campbell talks about it, it gets back to, to Newton try, try to, to do this. So he wanted to stand against the people that believe that God's mind was basically the, producing the simulation. He wanted to say that no matter of any mind, that there was an objective reality and stuff in it. And we're just proving that that's not the case. Um, and that it wouldn't need to be because why would a, a simulation include stuff that a player could never get to? So it's, a, it's redefining reality based on the human being, not saying that reality, you know, the human isn't a reality, but reality is in the human being. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there, but we, we, we're going to get to more of this shit soon. Um, I might have to dive more into these videos, get a little bit more into this. Yeah, cool. Um, I agree. Let's do it anytime. Yeah, and I want to. I want to kind of see too if I can find any uh, chinks in the armor too, and just because isn't that how we test everything? Isn't that the best way to figure stuff out? I mean, I don't. I'm not. I'm not that type of person that's always looking to debunk stuff. But I think if you're going to put cards on the table for something, you got to have a little bit of a background for it. You know. I'm trying as best I can to debunk both sides. <laughs> this guy's trying to puncture this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would seriously love to do it. That's that's that. I'm not never shying away from that goal as well. Because uh, what's the, what's the point? Um, I'm definitely not. Like I said, I started as a skeptic. I started as a rational. You try to you know be a scientific person. You, you, I don't want woo woo. Um, unfortunately, I'm stuck. I'm stuck on these two. So for, for, I'm, I'm I'm trying to do that. I totally agree. Yep, it's good. Sweet yeah, mindset. All right, folks, Andrew Tischler, check him out on uh, Instagram. He's got some sick glass that he blows. Um, I saw one of those pendants. That thing looked like it had an, an infinite inward spiral. Totally. I love it. Thank you so much. That's great. Yeah. You got some behind you, too. That one painting's pretty cool. Totally. Yeah. I figured I'd get a, another view, get the art in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. All right, folks. Well, it's uh, another one in the books. We'll get him back on here soon and continue this. And uh, thanks. Cheers. Late.